0: I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Hey everybody, and welcome aboard. I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. So there's some craziness going on, as there always is. You know, did you ever notice that? There is just this constant stream of craziness going on in the world that we have to deal with. We have uh, the Republican debates are starting, whether Trump's gonna go or not, other people are in or out. We got the the Biden family uh, drama uh, going on and dragging in and out in many different ways. We have a lot of stuff in the social world going on. And we're gonna try and cover a lot of it here today. So first of all, I see a a court, a federal court, has issued a ruling in favor of free speech and religious practice. So in Michigan, in East Lansing, Michigan, they had a farmer's market where the local farmers could come and sell their tomatoes and corn and and all that stuff. Most most towns uh, have something similar. Well, I can't say most, but I know around here there are... Uh, these farmer's markets spring up all the time. They're on the weekends. You go down, you get fresh produce. You know, you support support local farmers. It's, it's really nice. And the food is usually pretty good. So this farmer, Steve Tennis, and I think I'm saying his name right, Steve Tennis, he was um, a guy that also, I guess, used his farm for weddings, right? You could rent his farm and get married there. Well, he made a notification that based on his religious beliefs, he would not uh, perform, um, gay weddings at his, at his farm. He couldn't do it. He, he followed the tenets of his religion and he said he, he couldn't, he couldn't violate the tenets of his religion. Now, regardless of what you think about gay marriage, uh, the reality is that is that his, that's his religious belief, right? So if you don't like that he has this religious belief, then guess what? Don't go to his farm, you know, don't buy his, his produce, But what East Lansing, Michigan did was when he made this uh, announcement, um, they basically came in and said, well, now you can't go to the farmer's market because, you know, you're you're a hater, you're this, you're that. He said, no, I don't hate anybody. I just can't have weddings on my farm property that go against my religious beliefs. And that's what I'm saying. It, It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, if you if you involve yourself in this argument about whether it, gay marriage is right or wrong, you're going to miss the point because gay marriage might only affect a certain number of us, right? And And to those people that it does, it's extremely important. What affects all of us, no matter where you stand on that issue, is the free speech rights of this man and his right to practice his religion as he sees fit. So when people say it's not appropriate that he should be shunned, his business should be shut, he should be penalized uh, because he will not perform, allow weddings to be performed on his property, uh, gay weddings, uh, that therefore she, he should be destroyed. Well, uh, hang on. Here's, the, here's what you do. You don't patronize him. You know, that's his religious belief. Uh, and, and he has a right to act on. And the court, uh, the federal court, it, apparently it's been going on, for 11 years, this lawsuit that he's had, trying to you know tell East Lansing, you can't shut me down. Well, the court finally came in and said, guess what? You can't shut him down. Um, he has to be allowed to participate uh, and have the same benefit as every other citizen. If every other citizen in Lansing can have a benefit, uh, such as being able to sell their wares at a township uh, organized event, like the farmer's market, then this individual, should not be barred from that simply because he's expressing his religious beliefs. So hopefully, as we go down the road with with all of these decisions that we're seeing, this see this is the difference of why a conservative Supreme Court is important to everybody. Now, our friends on the left, I know they lose their minds because they can't get things done. Through the, through the normal channels of, of how we create law, right? You go to your legislature, you say, hey, we want this as a people, and then your legislature, the people who represent you, your representatives, they craft a law, and it goes through the system, and it becomes law because people wanted it. Our friends on the left, a lot of the things that they want, the policies that they want, the way they want things to be, will not work that way because you can't get politicians to vote for it. The citizenry doesn't want it. So historically, they've used the courts. They go to a radical court who says, yes, 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 of course, you can, uh, you can abort your baby after it's born. Put on the table and then decide if you want to kill it or not. That's a very radical kind of an approach. Now, of course, that's, a, um, that's an example meant to, uh, to ruffle people's feathers, and, and I apologize if it hurts your feelings, but this is what I'm talking about. You could never get that law through uh, on its own as a law. I want a law that says uh, you can give birth to the baby and then you could decide to kill it if you want. Now, who, who what legislature is, is legislator is going to craft that piece of legislation, put their name on it and then bring it to the entire Congress for everyone to vote on. You know, are they actually going to vote for that kind of a law? And that's what I think they realize. No, of course nobody nobody would ever do such a thing. So therefore, they have to do it through a judge, a radical judge who is willing to create law instead of simply uh, looking at whatever the law is and determining if it's constitutional or not. So when you have a conservative court, you have more traditional type of thing. And this is where it benefits everybody. It even benefits our friends on the left more than they know, all right, because they have free speech rights just like people on the right have free speech rights so if you are a cake baker or you have a farm where weddings are and you decided that it's against your religion uh i guess it would have to be a recognized religion i, I guess you could say that or it's even your own creativity the last uh, court decision that came out about if it's a creativity thing you can't demand from someone to use their creativity for something that's against their beliefs so and i think that's correct I think the, the, the confusion comes when people uh, conflate not having to do something that's against your personal religious beliefs and being able to discriminate against somebody because you just don't like the color of their skin or the land that they come from or their ethnicity or something. This is where, you know, if you're a cake baker um, and you decide you're not going to sell cakes to white people because you just hate white people, you can't do that right? That's wrong. That would be wrong to do to the race of any person's race. When it comes to religious beliefs, though, that impinge on you as the maker of the cake or the owner of the farm where the activity is going to take place, and you find that's against your religious belief and not based on someone's race or their creed or their nationality, then you should be able to make that decision that, hey, listen, uh, my religion says we don't do this, uh, and therefore. I can't do it. That would be like, as, as and this is, a, I think, a harrowing example. But could you imagine if you went to a, uh, a Muslim cake baker store and said, listen, I want you to um, make a cake with a, a picture of Muhammad on it, uh, having a pork rind sandwich. Now, that would be so offensive to someone of the Muslim faith that of course they shouldn't have to do that. That's against their religious beliefs and their underpinnings. But you could certainly go in there and now you demand that they have to make that kind of cake for you. That would be absurd on its face. Um, It it also depends a lot on uh, whose uh, whose ox is being gored, right? So if it's okay to go after Christians for their Christian belief, but it's not okay to go after other religions right so we well we might say to somebody i don't care what your religious belief is christian you'll make the cake even if it's against your beliefs but if it was the other way around that with a different religion uh like i like my example of a of a muslim baker and you go in and want something so outrageously offensive to them saying oh no you have to do it that would be wrong that would be completely wrong to do and therefore we can't conflate the two things a deeply held religious belief is protected in our Constitution. You have a right to uh, express your religious belief. Now, no one else has to believe it. That's not part of the Constitution. But you can't force people to do things against their religion. And a conservative court starts to bring us closer and closer uh, to, to holding true to the, to the real meaning of the Constitution. And that's why I say it benefits our friends on the left as well because they will be the first ones to say uh, that, hey, they don't believe in... M- imagine if you had to went into a, a, a liberal store where they, they, made, um, they made photographs and you say, I want you to do a beautiful collage for me of Donald Trump uh, and all of his different rallies. I want you to put this beautiful thing together. And they'd say, I'm not doing that. I, I, I'm totally against him. I'm not going to do... Oh, no, you have to do it, or we're going to sue you, shut you down, put you in jail, whatever they want to do. And they should have the right to say, no, that's my creativity. I'm opposed to Donald Trump. Therefore, I'm not going to make that collage, right? They're not saying, I'm not going to make it for you because you're a white guy. I'm not going to make it for you because you're a black guy. I'm not going to make it for you because you're an Asian person. They're saying, I am personally opposed to it. And I don't want to use my creativity to do that. I think we have to allow some discretion in what people are forced to do with their creativity uh, and things that go against their religious beliefs. So it, it's a difficult way to walk. Uh, you have to walk a very fine line because people will misinterpret what you say. I'm sure there's people sitting out there right now and there's there's flames coming out of their ears because they are completely misinterpreting what I'm saying. But I'm simply saying is you can't force people to do things that are personally offensive to them uh, or are against their religious beliefs. You know what you can do? You can go to a cake baker up the street that will make you the cake that you want. It's as simple as that. Um, There's lots and lots of people out there in business that'll be willing to do anything for anybody, no matter what it is. Um, But I think you get to protect your beliefs, your religious beliefs or whatever they are, as well as anybody else in this country. So I'm glad to see that Mr. Tennis, and like I said, I think I'm saying his name correctly, Steve Tennis uh, from East Lansing in Michigan, uh, his, his county mill farms uh, was just uh, received this, this win. Now, of course, it's, it's an appellate court, I think, that he won. So it, it's going to go probably up to the, to the next level because I'm sure East Lansing is going to say, oh, no, um, you will allow weddings for everybody that we say you will on your property. They're going to try and force his hand and override his religious uh, beliefs. Uh, and again, not right, wrong, or indifferent. They're his religious beliefs. You don't have to agree with them. You can think they're wrong, but they're his. And therefore, you can't make him go against his religious beliefs. Simple as that. Uh, But I'm sure it'll end up in the Supreme Court and with a a conservative Supreme Court. All of our rights are going to be protected. All of us, people on the right and on the left. What's different is when you have a radical left-wing court, they will find laws. They will make law based on things that are out there that they you cannot get through the normal way. See, that's the difference between the two. Uh, a conservative court is going to uphold tradition, uphold your constitutional rights, whether you're on the right or the left. On the left side, they will take the left position and they will burn your rights. They will create new rights that don't exist. They will do whatever they have to do to get the left-wing agenda through because it can't get it through the regular way. If it did... Okay, say so they could get together and say, "Hey, we want this law uh, that uh, your school children uh, have to burn the American flag every morning. Uh, we want that law because we think America's bad, and we think we should be able to do that. And if they could get that a legislator to write that up, and it went through state, local government, federal government, and people voted on it, and it was signed into law, well, if that was the majority, if that's what people voted for, uh, I might not like it." But that becomes a community standard law, right? And it's that's how our system works. But because we know that most of the stuff on the left would not make it through that process, that's why they have to cling to the courts, and that's why they want radical courts. That's why they don't want traditional courts. They want n- new law made um, where there is none. Okay. So I, I think we've uh, we've talked that through uh, enough. There. Um, what else is on my list here? Oh. So here's something kind of miraculous, since we're kind of talking uh, about some things involved with religion. You know, the horrific, horrible fires uh, in Hawaii that uh, there's still a thousand people missing. Uh, We have a president who went there, and that's the presidential job, to go to these places. And, you know, the president is not there just to be the commander in chief, uh, not just to be the, uh, the, the head of government and make governmental decisions, the president is also supposed to be a reflection of our people uh, to comfort us when there's something bad during the time of war or a natural disaster or like uh, in 9-11 when we were attacked, the president uh, stands there for all of us to try and comfort us and help us through whatever the difficulty would be. So going to a scene like this, which is so horrific, uh, so horrible, I mean, I heard I heard expressed Expression today and yesterday, where people were talking about some of the people who did survive the fires are going through the ash of their neighborhood looking for their children's bones, ashes, whatever is left because they were completely uh, destroyed by the flames. Children, family members, friends, completely destroyed by the flames. And these people are searching through the ashes looking for some some piece of a loved one and it it, you know if we're not there at that fire right now it's hard to to imagine that it it is for me anyway very hard to imagine that um i'm trying to be uh empathetic and understand how horrible that must be but i'm not there um and i do i do pray for those people because that's you know entire families were wiped out you know imagine imagine if it was your family and half of them got wiped out and the other half are alive so so that's terrible But we we came across um, a couple of things out of that fire. We had our president there, President Biden, who went there to ostensibly go and comfort the people of Hawaii. Well, you know, as I often do, I try to be honest in my evaluation of things. I think President Biden is addled by age to some some extent. Um, I think he doesn't really understand. I think he's lived a privileged life. Uh, where as a liberal he can say and do anything he wants and he's never held to account for it Um, but I think he's also an arrogant man and I think he might be a little bit stupid uh, just in general Um, that doesn't mean I I think he's uh, completely deficit intellectually I just don't think he's he's not socially aware and at his age I think he has great difficulty um monitoring himself and trying to figure out, what would be the best thing for me to say here? How could I do that? And it doesn't mean, not just in Hawaii, but everywhere he goes to speak, the things that he does and says, you know, getting lost, coming off the podium, not knowing where to go, getting people's names wrong, all that's bad enough. Um, And it reflects poorly on our country. Uh, In another day and age, uh, any other time in our history, uh, well, okay, let's be honest about it. Any other time there would have been a Republican president who did one tenth of the mumbling, stumbling, bumbling things that Joe Biden does—that's all you would hear about on, on these news media shows, day and night. They'd be talking about it. Donald Trump slid coming down a a little bit of a ramp because he had some slippery shoes, and we heard for five days how he's fit—he's not physically fit to be president. He must have some kind of brain disorder. He must have some kind of problem. He can't walk down a thing. Meantime, Joe Biden falls up and down the stairs on Air Force One on a regular basis. He trips and falls, falls off for of bicycles, falls out of his house. Uh, and it, oh that's that, that don't mean that don't mean anything. We see pictures of him at a sleep. He's asleep at 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 official gatherings, and that's no big deal. Um but they had a picture of Ronald Reagan one time with his eyes closed in the middle of a lengthy meeting. Oh, he slept, he he's not fit to be president, he's not fit to be president. Meantime, you see Biden all the time falling asleep. And again, I don't hold that against him. He's an elderly man, and he is not fit for the office. The office is too um too stressful for someone of his age and mental capacity, and I think knowing the little bit that I do about um, Alzheimer's, I think he's probably on that road, uh, you know, his, his angry outbursts, uh, all that kind of stuff. I don't want this to be a, a slap at Joe Biden. I'm simply saying when he went there and here are these people grieving and here shows up the president of the United States. Now, uh, he said it was two weeks and he, he didn't come for two weeks because he said he didn't want to get in the way and people, that's not true he's, I, I, listen, when the president shows up they have to block off roads they have to make all kinds of concessions because he's the president, right? they have to do certain things so I can see that I can see that um, maybe, yeah, maybe he would get in the way of the rescue efforts or whatever they were doing so two weeks, yeah, that's a long time he could have probably went a week ago but he, he got there, he's the president and he's trying to do presidential things, unfortunately, um, because he is inappropriate and maybe he's not smart enough to understand or maybe he's just addled. When he gets up there and he starts trying to compare his life experience, which is one of the folksy things they say about Joe Biden. Oh, he's, uh, he's, he's a man of the people. He's a real guy. People, you know, understand him. You know, he's Uncle Joe. And maybe, maybe there is some capacity of that. Uh, in his personality or, or his portrayal of who he is but he goes there in front of these people who are suffering and looking for comfort and he says well you know i know how you feel uh, because we had a fire in my house in delaware that my wife was trapped by the flames and she couldn't get out and it was horrifying and i almost lost my corvette and then you find out that yeah there was a fire in his kitchen and took a couple minutes to put out the fire department did come and put it out but jill wasn't trapped by the flames uh, it didn't almost burn down his house uh and didn't burn down his corvette so that's the first thing is they come out and say a story like that would have to be offensive to people who are sifting through rubble to find the bones of their children who died in the in the conflagration right think about that how horrible that that was but it goes back to his his folksiness he wants to connect he wants to tell a story that boy I understand because I've been through something similar. Well, he's not been through anything similar like this. So that was an inappropriate thing to say and and the people I think were very very hurt hearing that it, it didn't it didn't serve the purpose of a president going there that it should have and I thought that was that was really tough. The other thing the other part of that comment that and I almost lost my corvette well, I don't know about you, but for most people in our nation, having a Corvette uh, is not a is not an every single day thing. It's like having a Ferrari or having a Bugatti or one of these really high end cars. Most people don't have one of those things. Me personally, I love Corvettes. I really want a Corvette. I can't afford a Corvette. You know, I it's, it can't be my everyday driver and I can't afford to have a car insured and sitting in my driveway with a tarp over it that I only drive on Sundays, right? But I would love to have a Corvette, and, and I don't begrudge President Biden that he has a Corvette and he loves it, but think of that, how offensive that is. He's comparing, well, I almost lost my Corvette to people who have lost their entire home, their, their, maybe their, their animals Members of their family, all their their pictures, everything that they own has been destroyed by those flames. And he's trying to compare that he almost lost his Corvette. My point being here is that this entire escapade, uh, this entire thing of him going there, um, was a good thing to go. He's the president and he should go. But the way he handled it, the things he said really were inappropriate and overall not helpful. And I I think it probably caused pain to a lot of people. And I do chalk that up to all of the factors that I laid out of what I think is going on with him. I think he is feeble because he's elderly. And not all elderly people are feeble. My father-in-law, Ted, is 90. And Ted is perfectly fine. I'll hold a conversation with you. He golfs every day. He drives. You know, he understands the world. Matter of fact, he keeps track of all of this political stuff that goes on. Uh, he's not stumbling and bumbling around like our president, who's 10 years younger than Ted. But I think it's all a combination of his arrogance, uh, his, uh, I don't, I don't want to say stupidity, um, lack of intellect. Let's put it that way. Lack of intellect, lack of empathy for those people, his um, arrogance. Of uh, doing whatever he wants. I mean, look at look at the crime stuff that he's potentially involved with here. The the case is obvious to anybody who is willing to open their eyes and see it. That it looks like there's a lot of corruption in the Biden family. A uh, lot of lot of corruption. Uh, and I think he's just. It, it's all a combination of those factors that leads him to go to this place of horrific tragedy. And instead of being comforting. And providing some sense of peace to those people uh, who lost everything, I think he he added to the problem, and I think that's unfortunate because, um, you know, this this pain for these people is going to go on for probably the rest of their lives. So that was uh, that was another thing that was out there. Biden and his thing. So what I kind of broke it down to is that his lies, Joe Biden's lies, because now we talk a little bit about the corruption. Joe Biden's lies that he tells, I, I never spoke to my son or my, anybody in my family about their overseas business deals. I never spoke, not one word about it. Obviously, that's a lie. It's been proven that that's a lie. What I think is is amazing is that the press who heard these statements and just said, oh, yeah, of course, of course. He talks to his son every single day. His son's flying on Air Force One around the world with him to go see Chinese business deals. And he never even once asked him, hey, son, what'd you do while you were there in China? Um, air force one with me did you what's your business deal what are you doing you know he, he never once asked them that and the press just said no he said he did he said he never did so he never did never did right meantime people say i heard donald chip trump he he ripped the uh, the label off a mattress they would be unbelievable and they would they would uh, uh you know impeach him for even just on the rumor that he took the uh, label off the mattress do you see how the corruption spread so my notes here that I put down, trying to equate what do his lies equal. So if we looked at his lies are about his corruption and the the amassing of wealth by him and his family, and then we think about Hawaii when he went there and his commentary and his lies about his house burning down um, and and other things he's he's talked about in the past that are clearly uh, lies that can be proven absolute lies. There's two things that come out. Of Biden lies. Either he makes money on his lies or he causes pain based on his lies, right? Uh, Now, one I think is absolutely uh, intentional, which would be the making the money, the making the money lies. um, And he lies completely and continually about it because he knows the press is never going to question it. Uh, it, it, you know, if the people on Fox News or here on America Out Loud question it, then, of course, it's, well, they're biased. They're just haters. They hate this. And the haters, haters, haters say it. They're liars, conspiracy people. That's who's saying that. Everyone else is saying, no, we believe him 100%. What's there not to believe? It, of course, he didn't have anything to do with the, this. his son's business dealings. And he never talked about it. So either his lies bring him money or his lies cause pain. Now, this is where I'm going to give him a little bit of a leeway and say, based on all the things I said before about his inability to do the right thing. um, The pain that he causes, you could say is inadvertent. He doesn't mean to hurt those people, uh, but he just does. So his lies really uh, are constant. It's not like he lies once in a while about something. It's not like Bill Clinton who lied about an affair, okay? Uh, His relationship with his wife was whatever it was, whatever it is, who knows behind closed doors, you never know what goes on. And he had an affair or a series of affairs. And he got caught and he tried to protect himself, protect his wife from the embarrassment and say, no, I never had sex with that woman. Not even one time, it was Winsky, whatever. Right? You, can, you can almost kind of get that, that, you know, this guy was, it, his lies were to protect his lifestyle and protect his, his affairs and all that. Uh, and his wife's dignity and whatever it was. Joe Biden's lies are there to make money or they hurt people. And he does it all the time without any repercussions whatsoever um, even our friends on the right our, our republican friends you've got a couple of them that are huffing and puffing running around about they're going to do this that and the other thing and meantime has anything been done sure they've come up with some evidence but really nothing more than has been done than that so i find that um unfortunate so that's what i want to talk about about, about president biden there so we're coming to the end of this uh, this first segment, and I just want to uh, tell everybody, I've been telling you for a long time about uh, Healthy Cell, and I think I have something from my cousin Stephen who's been taking the REM sleep, and he wants to tell you all about it. So we'll be back in a minute. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Well, the OutLoud truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.News was an idea, a movement, A place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. all right everybody welcome back here we go now i told you uh you know the healthy cell products are on the network here um, i use them i use the uh the immune boost i think it works great remember the last couple episodes i was sniffling and sneezing i'm telling you i think it's allergies but i'm not sure but i start to get a thing and it goes away it, within a day I'm, I'm back to normal uh and and that's what happens with me the focus factor product uh, is for people who are starting to have a little bit of a problem. Actually, they should probably send some to the White House for, uh, for President Biden. Maybe it helped clear up his, his cognitive uh, disabilities. Uh, and we're going to hear from the guys in the neighborhood uh, in the next couple of episodes. They'll be back. You know, everybody's uh, running around being busy. But the one thing that I, that I talked about was the REM sleep product. Now, I don't have a problem sleeping. I sleep like a baby. Uh, but I know there's lots of people out there that do have problems sleeping. Uh, my, my cousin, Stephen, he's a young guy. He's in his maybe mid-30s, and he works hard. He's a hardworking guy. Uh, he's out there taking care of his family, and I find out that he's having trouble sleeping. So I said, Stephen, you're having trouble. He goes, oh, Joey, it's terrible. I, I wake up. I can't go back to sleep. I'm up all night long. I'm exhausted. So I, I bought some of this uh, REM sleep stuff from Healthy Cell for him, and I gave it to him. And after the first time he used it, he said, wow, man, what a difference it made in my life. So then he started buying it. And I kept telling him, hey, I want you to come on and tell everybody your experience. But it's kind of hard to get, t- get the two of us together in the same room. I saw him the other day. And I said, hey, Stephen, I'm going to turn on my recorder here. And I want you to tell me. So here, this is real quick about the REM sleep product from Healthy Cell. Listen to this. so as i've been telling you for a long time with this healthy cell stuff i gave this sleep stuff the rem sleep to my cousin steven and he's been using it for a while and he told me he couldn't sleep he's a young guy a healthy guy but he had trouble sleeping but he's been taking this stuff for a while and i want you to hear from his own mouth what he thinks about it. steve what do you think about it it's amazing it helped me sleep uh it helps me get to sleep stay asleep wake up refreshed every morning um it's definitely worth it and that was a problem before yes uh trouble staying asleep uh, once I mm-hmm. fell asleep, couldn't go back to sleep, and feeling sluggish in the morning. After taking this, i uh, slept through the night, wake up feeling re- great and refreshed. That's fantastic. Healthy cell REM sleep. I told you, this is why Lieutenant Joe likes this stuff. Check it out. It's on the uh, network. All right, so there you go. I told you I would, I would get uh, Cousin Steven on here, and I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a good guy, and I'm very happy for him. All right, so let me find my pages of outrages here and see where we're at, because uh, I do have a list of things I want to talk about. So, you know, the internet, the internet is, it's a, it's a blessing and it's a curse. It is a very, very powerful tool for work, for connection. Uh, look at us right here. You know, we're, we're on the internet here and we're connected. There's untold numbers of of ways to find entertainment on the internet. There's ways to learn things on the internet. Uh, you could take courses on the internet. I teach over uh, over the internet. You know, I have police classes and other classes that I teach on the internet. It's it's really it's an amazing uh, reality that we have this. It has also opened the door to scammers to criminals who you know it's a shame they use their their brains for evil instead of good Um, but they do they go out they take advantage of people how many fishing expeditions have you been a part of where you get uh, an email or something that you think it's from your credit card company looks just like it's your credit card or your cable company or your car sales whatever it is and says click this link so we can help you because there's a problem with your account and how many thousands of people click the link uh, and then your computer gets hacked, and they, they, you know people lose all kinds of stuff. I used my my business card. I was on a business trip, and I used it to pay for some parking. Now the parking was uh, one of those things where you pull in the car, you have a you park it, and there's a, a a slot number where you're parked, and you walk over to the machine, you put in your credit card, and you punch in the slot number, and you pick the amount of time you want, and you pay for it. And then you know when when they come through to check. They check the machine. They find out every spot is paid for. If you're not, they tow your car. So you want to make sure you pay for your your parking. So I did that. And it was like a $30 parking fee for a day. Well, two days later, I get home and I'm checking my business account because I go over all my expenses and I try and keep, keep track of all my expenses. And I see something on here. I see the parking. And then I see like a $500 purchase from... Uh, a company that makes motorcycle parts. Now, Lieutenant Joe loves motorcycles. I don't have one, but I love motorcycles. When I was a kid, I used to ride dirt bikes. I thought it was great. As an adult, I always thought it would be a fun thing to do, but it was one of those things. I had kids, I had business, I had work, I had police work. I didn't want to get hurt, falling down. So I never got a motorcycle. You know, maybe maybe I will now, but uh, I never had one through all these years. And I, I love motorcycles, but I certainly did not buy $500 worth of motorcycle parts with my business credit card. So I go down to my bank and I say, hey, listen, this uh, this looks faked up. They look at it. They look at the address. They said, yep, somehow or other, somebody hacked your card. Now, what I think happened was when I did the parking, uh, there's, there's a thing called an RFID reader, right? And they can read the information off your credit card right? When you put it in, uh, the reader can be inside the machine, inside the parking payment machine. They have them uh, in gas stations sometimes. You pay for your gasoline with a credit card and there's a reader in there and somebody's, you know, stealing all your account numbers and ordering stuff. Uh, there was a guy one time, uh, he was on the, by the by the Garden State Parkway in New Jersey. He had a an RF reader that could read pretty far. It could capture things from a couple hundred feet away. And he just sat at the toll plaza and every car that rolled up, he was able to read people's credit cards, their debit cards, get all their information, and he had all their account information. So this is rather, uh, this is a regular kind of a thing that happens with the internet. So we have to be very, very careful with uh, internet, internet um, scams and whatnot. So one of the things I know, I, I saw an example the other day, and you want to pay attention to this, and if you have anybody elderly in your family, uh, they can be, they can be, scammed pretty easily because most of our older people in our in our country come from a generation where they trusted people they wouldn't lie they wouldn't cheat and they wouldn't steal and they maybe don't exactly understand the all the technology and how things go today and i'm not saying they they don't but you know all of us can get scammed uh, and it can happen but they they take advantage of our our elderly family and friends a lot so i saw there was this um There was an example that came out and said, somebody got a letter, an email from Citibank, which is a a big bank, right? A very reputable bank. And they said, there's a problem with your account, please click this link. And the person didn't do it. They didn't click the link because they said, wait a minute, the bank wouldn't send me uh, an email like that. They would call me on the phone, they'd send me a letter. They they wouldn't just, this is where those scams come from. And they showed you uh, the expert that looked at it at the bank because they went down there and said, did you send this? And they said, no. Here's where it says Citibank, right? And then you look at the address. When you roll your mouse over the address, you see the full address of where the email came from. And the letter A in the address, it was a bigger address than just Citibank. It was Citibank awards program or whatever. The letter A was not in, an, in our standard alphabet. Uh, It wasn't a uh, regular letter A. It was, I think it's called acrylic, acrylic um, alphabet. It's the shorter A, you know, the one with the little loop on the top and the belly. That A, as opposed to a regular A that we're all used to, that acrylic comes back to a foreign source. So while it said Citibank Awards Program, and it would look like that, if you clicked on it, you were clicking on and going to a foreign um, criminal uh, out of the United States. So these things are very... Simple. Once you understand a little about them, I'm probably going to do a program on that. I have a, I have a friend of mine, Chris, uh, who works for uh, Keystone Cybersecurity, and I think I'm going to get him on here to talk about some of these scams because uh, we can all be we can all be scammed by it. My conversation, though, starting off here today about the internet being dangerous uh, at some point, there is now a myriad of uh, apps and websites that you can go to to meet people right you want to go meet people you want to go meet somebody to date you want to meet somebody to have sex with you want to meet somebody to uh, go to the races, races with whatever there's a there's a website for everybody out there uh, but the the connection apps to connect people together are very very popular and you don't know who's on there i mean we, we see all the time that uh, you see the memes on social media that uh boy look at this uh this picture of this guy who wants to go out with me. And it's, it depicts it, your guys as good looking as, uh, uh, as Brad Pitt. And then when you meet him in person, uh, he, unfortunately he looks a little more like Lieutenant Joe and you say, well, what the heck is that? You know? Um, or you see a girl on there. Oh my gosh, look at her. She is absolutely gorgeous. This girl, um, you know, fantastic. And then you meet her and uh, not quite exactly the advertisement, right? Well, that's, that's one kind of a, uh, of a danger you have right you don't know who you're meeting and people lie because you know they're trying to connect everyone's trying to connect especially our younger generations I mean I when I teach and I, I always make a joke I say you know uh you know back in the day when I met Mrs. Lieutenant Joe uh we did it the old-fashioned way I actually met her at a place we actually spoke we didn't we didn't uh, uh swipe left or right we uh, we spoke we had conversation we went out somewhere we held hands ate an ice cream cone That's how we got to know each other. And they always laugh because a a huge majority of younger people are using these apps to meet each other, you know, and and they do this. But the danger of this, of not knowing who you're meeting, um, and I'm sure that there are thousands, if not millions of people out there uh, who have met the love of their life using these apps. And I'm not saying don't use them. I'm not saying you should not use them. What I'm saying is you gotta be careful of who you're meeting and what you're doing so um, young lady that I know uh, decides to use one of these apps and of course uh, you know a guy puts out his profile and he might get 20 or 30 people who are interested in him a young lady especially an attractive young lady puts her picture on there and I know this this young woman did this put her picture on there and she's an attractive girl had about 3,000 hits within an hour of people like, hey, I want to meet you. I want to go out with you. I want to talk to you. Here's where I'm close by, right? And that's just the nature of the world. That, that's how it goes. Um, but the reality here is that uh, there's a story that comes out of Tennessee. Uh, a, young, a young mother, uh, her name is Caitlin Lynch. Caitlin Lynch was a, a, a beautiful young woman. She's a mother of two. Uh, I think she was 30 years old, 32 years old, and she went on one of these apps or she met somebody on social media, uh, a guy from uh, from Texas, and they hit it off, you know, for whatever reason. They hit it off uh, really good. This guy drives from Texas to Ohio, where she was from, uh, ostensibly to meet her, go out to dinner, have a relationship, whatever. I, I don't know the full story of what they were going to be doing, but he went to meet her. She didn't know anything about this guy. Um, and they went out, and her family didn't hear from her for a while, and they tried to find the guy. They can't find him. They can't find her, and they found her body in Tennessee. She had been uh, shot and killed and left on the side of the road, and this person, this, this Texas guy that she met um, online, has been located and placed under arrest for killing her. So these things are a reality, You know, who you're going to meet. It's not a problem to use the apps. But here's some advice. If you have young people out there using it or you're using it yourself. um, Meet in a public place. Right? Don't meet at your house or your apartment where this person gets to come in and see where you live day one. Meet them at a public place. Plan on staying in that public place place for the entire time that you're talking until you get to know really who this person is I would also say be wary of someone who's coming from multiple states away to come and see you Um, there's a lot of fish in the sea right and right in your neighborhood there's probably lots and lots of people you could get along with you know so what would motivate somebody to come from several states away to come and see you that would be a red flag for me um so keep your eyes and your ears out for these kind of things because you don't know who these people are and the the internet stories are 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 numerous of people who have met somebody and then they were killed by this person when they showed up. Uh we see it all the time. We see people who do meetups to buy to buy stuff, to buy motorcycle parts uh and then they meet up and uh they meet on the internet and they show up to buy and sell the parts and they get robbed and shot and killed, right? Or trading off a car, they're going to sell a car and they get killed. You don't know who you're dealing with. The anonymity of the internet is what creates the danger. This is why you you got these pedophiles that will go on there and uh, they search around and they're looking for young boys and young girls who are maybe disaffected, who are unhappy at home. Maybe they have terrible home lives. Uh, and they meet this person and they they talk him up, and hey, let why don't, let's meet at the hotel. You know, this is that guy's TV show, right? he would He would go to the house with a uh, six pack of beer, some condoms, and some lubricant, and he would be meeting a 14 year old girl. And then he would be confronted, Hey, what are you doing here? Oh, nothing. I just met this uh, this person online We are gonna go to lunch or something you know, yeah, but dude, you're from Ohio and you are in Texas. You came all this way to take some 14 year old kid out to lunch? Well, you know, right? They're out there. and they use that anonymity. Uh, of the internet to create havoc and uh, and hurt people so it's um it's really bad so be careful all right um the next thing that's kind of topical you know carjacking violent carjacking uh, has increased since the pandemic and since the defund the police movement and since the cops are bad and uh you know all that nonsense that's going on out there and we see this crime rising In our major cities, and and really almost everywhere now, but in our major cities, we're seeing these carjackings where somebody comes up to the car. Maybe multiple people come up at gunpoint, try and drag you out of your car, take your car, and if you fight with them, they shoot you. It's it's very very bad, very dangerous. A lot of people have been killed. Uh, So recently, uh, there was a carjack in Chicago, of all places. Imagine crime in Chicago. There's crime in Chicago. Who would know that there's crime in Chicago? uh this guy is he's i guess he's like uh, one of these car for hire guys right an uber lyft guy kind of guy that kind of a job he has and he gets a, a pickup call to go meet somebody at this corner pick them up and take them somewhere and a guy and a girl get in the car and as soon as they get in the car the guy starts driving uh the guy in the back seat pulls a gun on him hey listen Here's what we're doing. Give us all your stuff. We want your car This that, And the other thing, the girl reaches up, starts going through the guy's pockets. Uh, The guy stops, pulls over, gets out of the car, steps out of the driver's side of the car, and then retrieves his legal concealed carry uh, weapon. And then uh, as the guy in the back seat still waving the gun around, this guy fires a couple rounds and hits the guy in the back seat, uh, hits the girl. Uh, Both of them go running and they are captured a short distance away later on. The guy was shot in the leg. The girl had her arm grazed, but they were violent carjackers, but they met the wrong person. They met somebody with a concealed weapon that could protect themselves See, criminals expect us not to be able to protect ourselves. And in most cases, we can't. We don't have a weapon. And are you going to fight again? you know, are you one of these, uh, are you uh, Jackie Chan? Or are you one of these uh, guys that can whip a gun out of somebody's hand? No, most of us can't do a thing like that. Uh, you get hurt when you do a thing like that. So this was an example of uh, somebody who had a legal permit to carry a weapon, and they used it to save their lives. Now, you'll never hear that. You'll never hear that story on the news. Uh, I saw that on a more conservative uh, location because they'll never give you that on the regular news because they don't want you to think that that happens but it does right? I carry a gun I'm permitted to carry a gun as f- as a former law enforcement officer I carry my gun everywhere not because I'm looking for trouble but because I'm looking to not have trouble uh, especially if I go somewhere with my family you know uh, if somebody's going to come and try and take stuff hey I'd rather take the, let them take this stuff and go away but if they're going to threaten with violence you know, uh, and that's how a lot of these, you know, robberies happen. The person doesn't intend to kill you, your wife, or one of your children. Uh, but maybe they're high, they're drunk, they're having some other kind of problem, some other kind of mental issue. They pull a weapon to rob you, they get nervous, they accidentally pull a trigger, and it shoots and kills your kid, kills your wife, or kills you. So in some of these instances, uh, being able to protect yourself uh, is really the right thing to do you have a right to protect yourself and we're seeing our again we're seeing our courts uh, our more conservative courts start to realize that when it comes down to a choice between a victim of a crime and a criminal who perpetrated the crime we should come down on the side of the victim not the criminal and you go but it's not fair criminals they're, they're, ridiculous all right uh who's this this uh, aoc uh, the congresswoman, and she's out, and I saw a, a really funny uh, posting the other day. They showed a bunch of people who came in and did one of these mass shoplifting, smashing open jewelry store um countertops and stealing all this jewelry and in the meantime they got her superimposed going people that are doing this are doing it because they need to buy diapers for their children because they need to be able to feed their children because they're starving because our country's so unfair and, it, and it's it's such so, a terrible but in the meantime you know you see this very organized group of people with masks on and they're smashing all they're stealing jewelry right because they're going to go buy diapers because that's what they really need right absolutely ridiculous um, so i find that interesting If you look at the statistics, and I will look this up and and bring it up on another episode, but I'm going to give you some basic idea. I think they say legal firearms are used about 500,000 times a year to protect yourself. Now, there are 30,000 handgun murders, gun murders, no doubt about it. A large majority, then, when we look at them, are in criminal activity all right they're not uh, not people just going out and shooting up the world you know somebody's robbing somebody they're gangbangers going after each other whatever it is um that's where most of that comes from uh, and then there's a small percentage of it is suicide people use a weapon because it's an effective way to commit suicide uh, but if you took out all of those criminal activities you know very few people are running around just shooting each other that being said do i think um that the more people that are carrying weapons increases the chances of two, two idiots being drunk in a bar and normally they would uh, argue or they would throw a punch at each other. Now they might pull a gun and shoot each other. Yeah, I think, I think that's a reality. But I think that's far and few between because otherwise we would see a million people uh, shot dead constantly. And we're not seeing that. That's not what we're seeing. So I don't know that that's uh, actually going on. All right, so I want to talk about that, that carjacking. Now, there is one more thing. I want to go back to the fire in uh in hawaii real quick uh miss kathy uh, showed me a story today kind of miraculous uh there was a church compound uh in where the fire was and it consisted of the church building you know the steeple with the church and you know you got the cross on top that's the church right that's where the people go in to pray and then there was a uh, a convent uh, or a place where the nuns lived there was the rectory where the priests lived there was some outbuildings involved and this this fire this conflagration came roaring through the community and it re- literally devastated everything in this community except the church the flames uh, appear you know and i'm, I'm going to word it like this that the flames came in the, the wall of fire is coming and went around the church building and destroyed everything else but the church building uh, and if you go look it up uh, church survives um, in hawaii uh, you go then you see the picture of this church and it's like everything around it is has been reduced to ash except the church itself right i find that absolutely amazing is that a miracle is that um, is that a message from god hey you know the church will protect you if you if you do the right things i don't know but i think it is absolutely amazing uh, that that actually uh, that actually happened. All right. So one of the things that I that I wanted to um, to talk about a little bit because we're we're you know we're running out of time here again is I want to tell you about uh, my books. All right. I'm only going to tell you real quick. Um, so I've written two books, actually three. All right. Um, one is about the dangers of vaping. All right. Vaping is not a, is not good it's not better than cigarettes it has its own problems you know those vape pens they explode they go on fire people have been killed by them blowing up uh, and our kids are running around vaping like crazy right and they're vaping with thc they're vaping with opium all kinds of stuff so my first book was self-published it's called the dangers health risks and consequences of vaping it's on amazon you know you can find it i was written by myself and dr christopher bader uh, who's a friend of mine. Uh, he works in an emergency room. And he sees all these people coming in with all these vape-related uh, maladies. So that's why we wrote about it, to explain to everybody that. But my, my two books that come from Blue360 Media, uh, blue360media.com is my publisher, uh, and they publish stuff for law enforcement. They publish things for first responders. They publish uh, books and materials for lawyers, right? They're they're a nationwide company. They do. Um, they're moving into video. And I'm lucky that they're working with me on a bunch of things. But my two books that are out there, the first one is called The Interview. It's about how to conduct an interview. Whether you have to conduct an interview as a police officer or if you have to conduct an interview to hire people. You need to understand what goes into an interview, the dynamics of an interview. So it's really good for anybody. I suggest you go and get it. Uh, The Interview By Lieutenant Joseph Pankar or blue360media.com and you can find it on internet and it's here on the America Out Loud, excuse me, it's on the America Out Loud bookstore as well so if you go there you can uh, you know look me up and get a copy of that. My most recent book that just came out is called The Investigation. Now this is a soup to nuts how to conduct a criminal investigation but it's a new twist on it, right? Normally books will teach you, okay, so now you have the crime scene and you do A, B, C, and D, and then you go over in your fingerprint. And that's good, that's one way to learn. That's the traditional way uh, officers have been taught to do investigation, but that's not how Lieutenant Joe does it. I I do things a little differently. Uh, So what I decided to do was take the story of a really brutal double homicide that I investigated in New Jersey uh, and use that as the backdrop for the learning. So what I do is I tell you the first part of the story. How did the killer get from where the killer was to the house where he brutally killed two people? I mean, brutally. When you read about it, you'll see what he did to these people. Terrible. And I say, okay, now let's stop. Now that you know he came from here and he went to there, if you were the investigator, let's go back and break that down. How could you track where this person went? How could you tell where they were? What timeline of their movements, right? Then I go, let's go back to the story. Now I tell you the story of the murders, how he killed everybody, what he did, the weapons he used, the, oh, what he inflicted on people. And then I stop. Okay, now let's go back to the crime scene and let's work the crime scene. Here's what you'd be looking for. Here's where you'd find this evidence. Uh, and then at the end, you know, he's arrested, he's interviewed, and then we go to a, uh, a major case trial. And I explain how to prepare yourself for that. So while this is meant for law enforcement, what I'm finding is that lots of people who are interested in investigative kind of things are going and getting the book so that they understand about investigations. So when you see something on the news, you see the Gilgo Beach murderer, right? When you see him out there and you see the police are doing ABC, you kind of have an understanding of what's going on in the investigation. And people always find those kind of things interesting. They always have, they love uh, police stories, they, you know, police movies, police TV, police books. So while I wrote it to help law enforcement, if you're interested in that kind of thing, it can really help you. When you combine the two together, you can watch the news and you can tell who's lying to you. You can listen to them. You can look at them. And then you can figure out who done it to who. All right. So that's the uh, the investigation from blue360media.com by Lieutenant Joe. Uh, it's available there. It's available here uh, on the America Out Loud uh, bookstore. And it's also available at Amazon. So wherever you want to get it, go ahead and get it. Uh, if you know somebody who likes this stuff, get copies for them. If you got law enforcement in your family, go get copies for them. Do the right thing. All right? It's not that expensive, so we, and we all learn. All right, So this has been um, an interesting go round here together. You know, we, we could recap about President Biden and his stumbling and bumbling and the dumb things he said, and we could talk about the tragedy uh, in Hawaii. And I hope we would all pray for the families who are su- or the survivors as well as those who perished in the flames. And then pray for our country that we can somehow come together and remember what's important to all of us. Uh, God, country, family, and loving each other, loving all of us. We're all in this together. So until we meet again, remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem.